Uh, we're going to be in Jude 17. My notes say 17 through 25, and we're going to be uh, using these notes. I'm adding to them. Uh, but one of the things that's going to come up here in, the, in our uh, conversation today is uh, that Jude is talking about that actually pertains to us in, in our time. And I, as Steve and I were just talking about it, and I talked to my boys this week, and we ta- spent several hours each night talking about theology and you know all these rabbit holes and it was fun and exciting but one of the things uh if you look on the bi- i've got it you can look it up in your bibles if you want to but i did put on the bottom of page two just three little verses and this is not about jude this is almost like an application i could use this at the end of our teaching today but i'm going to begin with it and you know this verse uh it says second thessalonians 2 verses 9 through 12 it says, it's the bottom of page 2, or 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9 through 12. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So again, the lawless one, we understand that to be the Antichrist. Uh, and again, we can get an eschatology about that. And he's aligned with Satan, and there's all power involved that Satan's going to have, and Satan does have in a sense, uh, more than just physical power. He's got some kind of, you know, spiritual manipulative power. Uh, uh, activity of saint with all power and false signs and wonders. So signs and wonders are things that are beyond our explanation, but they're going to be false. I mean, they may happen, they may be real, but they've got false uh, philosophy, false theology that they're trying to teach. Uh, with all wicked deception, and there's a key word, wicked deception, for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So there's going to be this, it's called the great delusion, uh, the great deception that is coming. Uh, and at that point, those that have rejected the truth are not going to be able to find the truth. Uh, so that they may believe what is false in order that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So there's this time, again, it happens throughout history. It can happen individually in a heart. But there's a, a, a worldwide event, uh, process, that apparently is going to take place where there's going to be deception, and the light will go out. And the problem with that for us today is that while we, Jesus talked like this, he says, while you are still have the light, while you are still walking in the light, the day is coming. He talks about probably when he was going to be removed, but the disciples were walking with him and they could see him, they could hear him, they could process the information. Similar event possibly is going to be taking place in our own time where we're going to be at this time walking in the light. We can have Bible study. You've got the spirit of God revealing the scriptures are here. There is support. I mean, there's other churches around. There's other Christian communities around. I mean, we are, in a sense, a Christian nation. I mean, kind of going the wrong way, but you're surrounded with a community. There is a day coming where this is going to go out worldwide. Now, it may, if it's in our time or in the future, there's a great deception coming. And what you believe today, what we believe today as foundational is going to be uh, uh, proved uh, ridiculous it's going to be proved impossible now, i don't know how this all will work it was happening in in, in jude it was happening it, it was beginning it's part of the prophecy that in the final days 
and we are in the final days. Once Jesus appears, we've crossed over into an eschatological age of the Son of Man has come, and we're in part a new phase of eschatology. Of course, we're not in the very last day at this moment, but we're getting closer. So Jude and the writers of the New Testament are going to be talking about the last days, and they're going to see themselves in the last days or in that final phase, but we've been moving there, getting closer and closer ever since. But there is a day coming where this deception will take place. My point for saying that is you are wise in taking advantage of today. Uh, I mean, not, not in my house, in my Bible study. Thank God I'm here for you. That, that's not what I'm saying. But that you are in an age where you still can find truth. You can still find a Bible. You can still think clearly. You're not completely overrun by, is it, is it going to be that artificial intelligence? Is it going to be, I mean, what's it going to be that it's like, you, you have, you know, the scientists have proven, experts say, uh, there is no God, that Jesus never existed, history never happened, uh, you know, whatever. And like I told my sons, I says, I, I am convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when it is proved to be false, when it is proved the Bible is not authentic, and there is this other greater truth that is now scientifically provable, unarguable, Google it, it's true, uh, then I am going to have to say, well then, I believe a lie. I am going to die confessing Jesus Christ is Lord. But it's not true. It's impossible. I've made my choice. I am going to go down believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you can line up all the witnesses. You can line up all the scientific experience and prove this is a lie. Well, what are you going to do? Change my mind? I'm going to believe Jesus. I mean, I'm making that decision now because I know this war is coming at some level. Uh, does that make sense to what I'm saying? It's, it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm going to believe deception. I believe I am studying truth right now. I don't know all truth. That's why I keep studying. But I've got a handle on it because God has allowed us to see it and it's been revealed. When all of this chaos breaks out, don't give up. And there's other verses right there on the bottom of page 2. 2 Timothy 4, verse 4. So it says, So they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And that would be things that are, you know, mythology, things that are stories that are not true. Uh, they're going to turn away from the truth to a myth. And that's, you can see that taking place in our culture. We've got some, if it's history, I mean, it doesn't need to, be, need to be biblical truth. It can just be natural truth. It can just be some things that are common sense. Animals know this. But we have developed so much knowledge and a myth that we can prove reality wrong and believe this, whatever you want to call it, you call it woke or whatever. It's like, this is a fantasy. Well, we, that's the truth now. And, and Timothy's being told that by Paul. In Romans one twenty eight, of course, we'll come back to these verses. Furthermore, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them up to, to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. And that is uh, just kind of, where I, I'm at today, the thing that I was, we were talking this weekend that kind of came out of, of our whole conversation is uh, find the truth. You have an opportunity. Don't squander your time in the light in our age today because uh, darkness is coming. If it's, you know, I'm not saying the end times are going to happen this week or before the election or who, I mean, who knows? Uh, but it's something that we should be working on. And it's something Jude is writing to uh, his, his readers. Now, on page one, of the notes uh, we introduced this last week and I've added now uh, the fifth box to it is Jude is doing a, 
uh, it's a condensed letter, and what you see in verse, the, the verses, there's going to be the, the text. There's always going to be a text that he's using, and then he's going to make comments uh, that he's going to do the explanation, or we can say the application to his readers. Verses 5 through 7, he's going to have the text of the Exodus generation and the angels of Genesis 6, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. That is the text he's referring to in Genesis. Then he's going to explain it and make application to the false teachers and his what he calls the beloved uh, in verse 8. Then he swings over to uh, in, in Jude 9. He's now going to go to the ascension of Moses and the book of Zechariah, verse 3. And he said, well, the ascension of Moses isn't scripture. We don't accept it as scripture, but it was something, a text that they were familiar with that had a truth that they understood and a truth that Jude could come over here in verse 10 and say, it's just like that in your church in I'm going to say 55 A.D., and again, in the framework book, I think I've got it dated at 64 A.D. when it was written, so we're within a decade there. It's definitely not written in the, the second century. Uh, it's not a forgery. We're just trying to figure out what time. And this matches, like we said before, 55 A.D. matches the exact same thing Paul was writing to the Corinthians in 55 and 57 A.D. The same issues were going on. So it, it's, it's got to be close, but don't, you know, freak out if you don't agree with that. Verse 11, after 10, verse 11, he's going to be explaining uh, the way of Cain, Balaam's heir, Korah's rebellion, three Old Testament examples, and then in verses 12 through 13, he makes the application, so that's one, two, three. Now the fourth text, that was Enoch's prophecy, uh, we, we spent some time talking about the book of Enoch and, and drawing out of that, and then after he it actually quotes right out of the book of Enoch, he then uses verse 16 to make the application to his people. Now, if the very last part is these verses today, we're going to begin verses 17 through 18. He's going to say, your apostles have told you. They predicted this is the way it was going to be. And now, in verses 19 through 23, he's going to say, this is exactly the way it is. So now we are down here at this section right here. And what is, again, very clever very interesting is he's not just writing a random letter this is if he actually wrote all the text out uh, it, this could be a very long book i mean it could be as long as the book of romans if he wrote all these texts out he refers to like a footnote here's my point footnote here's my point and he's just going back and forth very con very condensed very well thought out letter and now we're down here to verse 17 to 18 and uh i'm going to read it in the niv so we get through get a feel for this I'll just read at the end of the book, beginning in verse 17, is now going to be, he's referring to the text that the apostles have been teaching. He's going to go into the explanation up to verse 23, talking to them. You're going to get your first imperative in these verses right here. You're going to have your very first imperative, which is uh, a command. He's been teaching, explaining, here's what's going on, giving kind of like a philosophy, a foundation. Look out for this. They're going to be doing this. So you get some information. And now that you've got this information, okay, Boom, now you're going to be overloaded with impaired. Do, 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 do. These are the things. He's not just saying all these are all commands. This is information for you. Remember this thing. Remember this. You've got to be on, looking out for this. Here's some things to be careful of. And now that we know these things, start doing them. So chapter, well, chapter 1, verse 17. But dear friends, and we've talked about that word. We'll talk about it again next, a little bit this week. Remember, key word, what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold they said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires 
And there's your text. You see, he, it's probably quoted in your Bible. That's the text. He's quoting not from the book of Enoch, not from Genesis, but from the apostles that are still alive at that time. Most of them, many of them. And they said, uh, there'll be uh, scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. Verse 19. Now, he's going to start explaining. These are the men who divide you. Now, he's going to describe them. Who follow their natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And though, though, so you can see the imperatives there, uh, beginning in uh, yeah, verse 20. Uh, no, 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 no. Where's the first? It's remember. Yeah, the very first imperative, remember. Remember in verse 70. Then the imperatives hit you very fast and hard. Verse 20, build yourselves up. Pray. Keep yourselves. Wait. And then verse 22, here's how you're going to, that's what you're doing for yourself. And now how do you reach out for other people in your culture, in your world, the people you come in that are in this state of blindness and confusion, if it be 55 AD or as this great delusion approaches us or wherever we're at in history, uh, what do you do? Well, be merciful to those who doubt, and we'll talk about this more next week, snatch others from the fire and save them. Others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupt flesh. Now notice, you can talk about three ways, different group. Here's a group of people here that are confused. I mean, you've got friends that are Christians, but they see this. It's like, now I'm confused. Because there's constantly false information. Steve was just talking about biblical archaeology. It came out this month. And the article that, I haven't read it. He read his, he read his magazine already. I still land on my dresser. Uh, way to go, Steve. But uh, there, 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 you know, it's a typical liberal point. The 12 tribes of Israel never existed. It was just created during the days of Ezra when they came back from captivity. It's like, oh, well, that's garbage. I mean, now you can look at it and analyze it. But it's like they're saying the whole Old Testament is false. Well, if the whole Old Testament is false, it just was made up, the answer for all the conflicts of the Old Testament is the New Testament. But if the Old Testament is false, the New Testament solves problems that aren't real. So why are we here? Why are we even studying this? It's like we might as well just have like a potluck and, and start a bowling league or something and, and get together, call us a Christian bowling club or something. But nonetheless, um, that's what he's, re he's referring right here. Be merciful to those who doubt. In other words, there are some that are going to doubt. They're going to get caught up in this stupid teachings, false philosophy, and they're like, I don't know. Wait, 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 don't you say, you heretic. It's like, well, well hey, there were believers, and they're, they're getting pulled by this gravitational force of false teaching. Be merciful, and, 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 and bring them back. You know, help. Actually, it, 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 uh, I'm ahead of myself. It, it means to debate with them. Enter into a, a conversation. Give them information. Be merciful. Slow down. Take them out for coffee. And talk. What's, what's going on? No, I'm not going to take anybody out for coffee. Don't, 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 sorry. Should not have said that. You take them out for coffee. <laughs> I, oh, shoot. Almost blew my cover right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk to Tony. Get something scheduled this week. I'll see you all there. Uh, but, but the idea is there, it, it, that's, that's one way of dealing with someone. But then he gives you two others, so it's not like everybody gets the same treatment. And so anyway, that's how that's going. And then uh, verse 24, as we close the book down, see we're right here, verse 23. Now we've got the docs, now we're closing the book down. 
and to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To our only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So again, if you see that, the doxology begins in verse 24. If you go back to the beginning, verse 1, 2, and, yeah, 1 and 2, uh, oh yeah, 3 and 4, are kind of the introduction. And once you get the introduction and the doxology, it's text, explanation, text, explanation, text, teaching, text, teaching, text, and then again, application. The whole book is just reduced just like that. Um, so now back to the notes. That's what's on page one. If you look over here, just so you kind of see where we're going, the bottom of page one right here, Verse 17 and 18, the apostles predicted, and here's their quote, this is the text for today, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own godly passions. Now again, all those words can be broken down. Then he begins, now the application, and he's saying, someday in the distant future, no, he's saying, it's, that's what's happening in your church in 55 AD, or 64 AD, or wherever you want to date that in the first century. This is what the, they said this was going to happen, and as we approach today, it's already breaking out in your own congregation. You've got people that believe false doctrine, that are teaching, and they're leading others astray. Uh, if you go to Titus, what Paul told Titus, they need to be shut up. That's what Paul tells shut them up. It's like, well, we should shut it. Some, you're going to take them out for coffee and debate with them. Some, shut up. Get out. You're not talking anymore. Well, what about... That's the Christian approach. Some, you, you, you teach, you debate with, you help them. Some, you just drive them out, get rid of them. Okay, but here's what happens. The false teachers are described in verses 19 through 23 as they cause division. And we'll talk about these words, worldly people. Again, that's a very general statement, but we can try what, how you define worldly. And devoid of spirit. What's going to be interesting, devoid of spirit, you could say devoid of the Holy Spirit, which is true. As we saw last week, they can't be convicted because they don't have a Holy Spirit dwelling in them. But also devoid of spirit, they may have reduced their heart, their spirit, to a place where they don't have a spirit. Now be careful. Uh, that would be the same as saying they've got a hardened heart. They've hard, you've got a heart that you can respond to God, but when you harden your heart, now your heart is hardened, you can't respond to God. That would be you've got a spirit that you can communicate with God, you can see God, and all of a sudden you reject it, reject it, reject it, yourself, and all of a sudden you are basically operating void of a spirit. You, you know, it's not saying, well, now man is you know, soul and body and no spirit and you know, all that philo- uh, theology. The idea is basically your, your spirit has shut down. You are no longer even functioning as a human you're like an animal but now you're an unreasoning animal you're worse than an animal which is where romans chapter one takes it but nonetheless they cause division worldly and devoid of spirit believers counter this by building a foundation and this is what that word means by building yourselves it means build a foundation this is what we do there's there's four things here that we do to counter the false teaching uh, and that is number one faith it's called the holy faith build yourself up in the holy faith and that's been a a a moving target for all you know what does that mean again i'm going to make it very simple and you can judge me on this how do you build yourself up on your holy faith faith has to have have information what do you have faith in? there's this information that you're believing you're going to build yourself up on this information i had a dream and god showed me okay well that's your base of opera i had a vision and that's your base of your faith how how do you know that i had a vision okay well then study your vision okay i'm not teaching that but that's would give you your faith why do you believe this because i saw an angel say this we have faith because of 
the Word of God. Now, if you've had an angel visitation, you've been taken to heaven, that's between you and whoever you want to share that with, but uh, we're going to stick with right here. So how do you build yourself up on your, it's described, most holy faith? I mean, the most separated faith, not this or this vision or that. This right here is the Word of God. I mean, basically, build yourself up on your faith. How? You better know the Word. You keep teaching. It's like, I mean, oh, we had to know that. Don't we know that? But that's his, his information. Build himself up in their most holy faith. And then prayer would be what this is saying. You're going to God with that information in your prayer life. Two, stay in the love of God, which is very interesting. It's like a work. It's almost like, you know, they get in that God does all the work. Well, this is God has, they're, they're being called the beloved here in verse 17. But now that you're the beloved, what do you do? Well, you stay there. You're going to now surround yourself with certain attitudes, activities, things that God says, don't do that. Don't go there. No. You say, okay, I'm going to stay right here. God is targeting his love right here on me. I'm going to stay right here in this area of God's love. And if he says, well, you think about a relationship. If you have a relationship with a person, and this is the way your relationship is based on, and if you go over here, you're violating that relationship. You're, you're not staying in the love of whatever that relationship is. You're going over here and violating it, and it's going to have a repercussion. So don't go there. Stay right here. Keep yourself in God's love. And then a very great line right here is wait for his mercy that is to be revealed. You have the mercy because you're loved, but you're waiting for the great day, which would be the glorification, the resurrection, the coming of the kingdom. So keep yourself in his love while you're waiting for his mercy. So there's things you do today. You, have, you build yourself up in the faith. You learn the truth. You continue the communication with prayer. You keep yourself in that point of love. This is what the beloved do, how they live. And you keep waiting for that mercy to be revealed. And then you minister to others. Mercy for doubters. Snatch others from the fire. And then mercy with fear, hating even the clothes stained by flesh. And those are three different groups of people that are going to be overcome by these false teachers. They're going to be going different directions. And your job is to keep yourself in God's love and grow in the faith. But also, you're on rescue mission. But who are you rescuing? Where's this person at? Some of you just shared the word of, you know, you know share the gospel with. Some you sit down and teach. Others, uh, you know, you, it's a little more aggressive. You know, snatch them out of the fire or uh, mercy with fear. All right, turn the page. Page 3, our first verse 17, Jude 17. It, in the English Standard, there with the Greek right below, it says, but you must remember. Now, this is, his, this is the beginning of the fifth section. You must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, the word remember, it, 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 the book begins, I want to, up here, the book begins, I want to remind you and what he's been doing is reminding them. You can call it teaching if you want to, uh, presenting them with the word of God. I want to remind you of all these scriptures, all this text. I'm not calling the book of Enoch scripture, but it's part of the text of the truth that they're working with at this point. Uh, I want to remind you, now he begins verse 17. I want you to remember now, in your own, this was Genesis, this was Enoch, this was, you know, the ascension of Moses. This is your apostles. They, they were here last week possibly are there that you were here you saw them in jerusalem or wherever they said and now he's talking about a contemporary text that they've said so remember and that's the key point one uh, oh point two remember is a call to the believers to recall the teaching of the apostles or the word of god this is the first imperative of the whole letter remember he's commanding them this is a command 
Uh, uh, it begins a series of imperatives, verses 17 through 23. We could write them all down if we wanted to. Uh, point C, forgetting or not knowing the scripture will result in spiritual regression. I mean, you want to know what is wrong. Uh, you, know, the, you can go down a whole list. I'll go around the room and share. But what I would say is wrong with the Western church today is they don't remember uh, the apostles' teaching. Or they don't even know the apostles' teaching. And you're going to grow spiritually? No, you, no you're not. You're getting information from the world. You're getting information from secular society. You're getting information from some scientists that don't even believe in God. And now you're going to grow spirit. You can't. You are regressing. You may have heard a truth. Jesus, Lord, died for your sins. Oh, I don't want to go to hell. I believe that. Okay? And that's the end of your spiritual growth. You're like right there. And then you just go over here and you're just totally. Re and now the church is on that foundation. And obviously we're going to have trouble. So. Uh, point B, this begins as, okay, point C, forgetting or not knowing the scripture results in spiritual regression. Not knowing the word of God will prevent these believers from applying faith, prayer, the love of God, and the mercy that we've talked about that are going to be commanded. He's going to give them these commands in verse 20, these four imperatives, uh, build up your faith, pray, keep yourself in God's love, wait for the mercy. But if you don't know the mercy that's going to be revealed, if you don't understand glorification, you don't understand the physical resurrection of the believer, this is not it. I mean, we're, our life is not full right now. I mean, we... The Bible teaches clearly, you are still in a fallen body with a sin nature in a world controlled by Satan. So this is the best God had. Is this the best God's got? No, no. The Bible says, no, you are not living your best life now. Things could be so much better. If I was God, I wouldn't create a world like this. Exactly. Neither did God. So look ahead. This is where we came from. This is where we're at. And here's where we're going. How do you know that? Well, you see... I've been to heaven. It's like, the Bible, you know that from the Bible. We don't make that up. That's in the Bible. So, but if you don't know these things, uh, you're not going to have faith. You're not going to know how to pray. You're not going to keep yourself in the love of God. You're going to keep yourself in good standing with whatever the cultural winds are so no one cancels you, and you're completely out of the love of God. You're in rebellion towards reality. And you will... Uh, uh, What's the last one? I lost my place. Oh, yeah, mercy. You'll not be anticipating that mercy to come. Point E, the first section of Jude began with the same when he wrote in verse 5, I want to re uh, remind you, and now he's down, remember. Uh, predictions is simply meaning having the word spoken beforehand. And now we go back to page 1, sorry, excuse me, page 2. And uh, this is... Again, I'm not going to spend any time on this except to point it out again. This is right out of the Titanic Faith book. Uh, that there was a war in the first century. There was the warning that you're going to have false teachers come among you. Uh, you've got Matthew, John, Mark, and then Acts 20, where Paul says, and I've got that written down there right in the middle of page 2, Acts 20, verse 29 through 30. This is Paul sailing by Ephesus, stopping in, meeting with the elders of the church on his way to Jerusalem. He'd been there for a couple years. He just wants to stop by and meet with the elders. And he's kind of leaving them on their own now because he's been there. He taught daily in the lecture hall in Ephesus. And now he's just sailing by, stops and meets with them. And he says to them, the leaders of the church, doesn't say look out for the communists, look out for CNN, look out for the, the, the professors in the universities. He said, well, here's what he says. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. 
not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise. You're a group, and there's going to be people start joining you, bringing in different philosophies, right? Especially out of Ephesus, out of the Artemis cult. They're going to bring in these ideas. He says, don't follow them. And there's going to be men here, right here. Some of, some of you today, as time goes on, you're going to be like, huh. You're going to see how you could develop or manipulate situations. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them trying to preach from the truth and bring them over here in our, our different philosophy and so paul was warning that uh that would be 57 a.d is when he's saying that again i said this is 55 a.d but that would be an example 57 i'm i think that's correct uh peter very similar there in verse 2 and then you see matthew verse 7 i've got it written up there beware of false prophets that was the warning that these guys were coming then the confrontation between 49 and 64 A.D., you got all those verses, Galatians where he's fighting the legalists, and 2 Thessalonians he's fighting people that are re making false reports, false prophecies. Then you got the whole Corinthian situation with you know, a variety of false Greek philosophers, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Timothy, again that's Ephesus, and Titus on the Isle of Crete. They're confronting, the churches are being overtaken and they're trying to shut it down. And again, Titus is those verses where he says, they're fault. They must be shut up. Shut them up. They're, they're, they're misleading entire households. They're coming, entire groups of people are being misled. They need to be stopped. Shut up would be a good translation. And then the scary part that's very humbling, uh, and you can argue with this if you want to, is between 64 and 96 AD, those are churches that had been lost. They, they were under the control of false teachers. And we read through a second John last week uh, that John, John was even allowed to, come into the church i mean in ephesus or in the area of ephesus john by what would it be 85 90 a.d the church had gone so far off track someone is leading the church and was keeping apostolic teaching out of the church that we would call the church of jesus christ then of course paul or john writes the seven letters to the seven churches and you know some of them he's saying god is saying you know it's like hey don't make me take the candle stand i can take your candle stand and remove it from my presence your church is in trouble you're about ready to just become a secular institution we're not talking about the churches of the 21st century we're talking about churches that john is writing to that jesus is addressing within 60 years of his death and resurrection you're so far off track it's like there's nothing left here <laughs> i'm moving on i you know laodicea classic He's on the door knocking on the door. And you know, you, you know that story, you know, that he's knocking on the heart, calling the sinner. No, he's knocking on the door of the church. Can I come in? It's like, no, 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 we don't need you here. We've got our own system. And he's already out of the church of Laodicea. Uh, he didn't have much hope for him. But anyway, that's what's being said here. Now, back to page three. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole point, remember, they said, just like I was talking earlier, there's a great delusion coming. It's been written about in 2 Thessalonians for centuries. There's in the end times, now there's always going to be that delusion, but in the end times there's going to be the great delusion that comes along with the Antichrist empowered by Satan to mislead the whole world in a way that we, we've never seen before. So when that, it's like, well, do you think that's going to happen? Well, that's part of knowing the scriptures. When, so when you see this happen, it's not like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. No, no, no. Jesus, relax. Build yourself up on your faith. Keep praying. Stay in the love of God and look for the mercy to be revealed because we told you this was coming. How do we avoid that? What, what are you not understanding? This is coming on the earth. It's like 
You need to get ready for it. Build yourself up on your faith. Pray. Stay in the love of God and wait for the mercy to be revealed because it's not going to be revealed now the way it's going to be revealed later. The best mercy you've got right now is the word of God that you can get ready for this event. It's like, well, that's not the way I want Christianity. I think Christianity... Okay, well, you're, you're going off now. Make it, you're in fantasy land. This is the truth. And John, Judah's saying something similar. The apostles said these guys were coming into your church. Um, I'm turning the page, and here we go. Page 4, verse 18. They said to you, here's what the apostles said. And first box I've got there in the Greek. And you can see how they've even captured it in the transliteration. You see where you've got the, the Greek right there in the box? Uh, the, the, it's, it's in the, uh, um, the imperfect tense, and so it's, it's saying, they were saying to you, or it can be, uh, they said to you, imperfect tense can be translated as in the Greek above, they were saying to you, and it means repeatedly over and over. If the apostles came and spoke, they were telling you, there's false teachers coming. Not everyone who shows up and talks in your church is telling you the same thing. We, we, have, we don't have a filter system. I mean, they should have, but I mean, there's people going to be coming and misleading them. And they're gonna, they, they're, the apostles apparently told them over and over and over again that Jude could say repeatedly, you've heard that they're coming, and now I'm pointing at them. There they are. They're sitting right here. They're in your church. They're leading your church. How'd they get here? God said they were coming, or the apostles said. Um, they said to you in perfect tense, okay, examples, and I got, that's point two, we got examples, I read through those, scoffers, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Now again, that can cause trouble for you, especially if you want to find problems in the scripture, because Jude is saying, and I'm saying it's around 55 AD, that in the last time, the apostles say in the last time, so if the apostles are saying this in 54 AD, they're talking about sometime in 2025, you know, in the distant future. But Jude is saying in 55 AD, here we are in the last times, just like the apostle said, we've got false teachers. So Jude is saying we're in the last times and the false teachers are here, just like they said. And so, and then they're going to question you. You accept now 2,000 years later, you're still waiting for the last times? If you understand and that, yeah, that can be a problem for, for the young Christian who just got saved. The Bible says the last times were back then. Well, what are these days? Are you in the kingdom of God now? And again, I, there's all kinds of ways of approaching that. But the idea there is it was the beginning. Something had happened. Jesus Christ had been seated at the right hand of God. That was the fulfillment of the Daniel prophecies. You know, he saw the, the one like the Son of Man was seated in heaven came in the clouds well that happened in acts chapter 2 one like the son of man went up and was seated and so we're in that phase already now how long is he going to be seated there waiting for his enemies to meet his footstool it doesn't tell you it just says he's coming back wait for the mercy to be revealed that's throughout the scriptures so in a sense these end times has begun and a theme of the church age is this right here there's false teachers and that you're constantly fighting against the uh, jude begins the letter contend for the faith you've got to fight for the faith and that's why the word of god is so important if you shut the bible and you just get a group together it's not long before you've got some crazy ideas you all may agree form a church but it's it's going to be contrary to the bible it's a discipline to come back and over and over go through the bible nonetheless um they said to you in the last times and that's where we're at they were there we're looking at it 
there will, there will be scoffers, and there's that word scoffers, I've got it circled. Uh, scoffers is basically a preposition is the word, the E-N in the Greek, which means in or on, at, by or with. And the last part of the word, peadzo, uh, to play as a child. And so to play in a child mode. I mean, they're, they're scoffing, they're mocking. It, it's a, they're, they're treating your reality as a toy. They're playing with it. We believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. We believe in the resurrection from the dead. We believe in the coming of the kingdom of God. We believe we have a sin nature that will destroy us. It's like, oh, all that is like, that's just play. They just toy with that and, and don't take it serious. So they're scoffing. The word can be translated a mocker, a scoffer, or to jeer, to ridicule. So they were telling you, the apostles were telling you that in this age, there's going to be people arise that is going to approach your theology, your God, the creator, like it's a toy, like it's a plaything, and they're going to mock it because they've got something solid. They've read Aristotle, or they've read Plato, or they've got their newest wave of, of whatever, and they're going to mock this. Um, and all that goes down, point four, the final stage of this age. I think they've got that set already. Ah, and scoffers after their own passions following of ungodliness and so they are going to now start following you've got your choice and this is kind of where we're going to land today you've got the choice of <clears throat> this is what's going to drive you truth the word of god or you're going to have passions or you can say your own thoughts your own desires. Now again, you don't have to go right off the deep end, passions, ah, sexual immorality. That would be included in the list. But your own passions could be, I don't want the world to be like this. I want everyone to be happy and have what they want. Well, that's your own passions, your own thoughts, your own desires. It's not the truth. They're not going to follow the truth. They're going to follow their own passions. Could that be sexual immorality? Yes, but it also could be, I just want the whole world to live at peace and have the government pay for everything well, that's my desire that's my passion they'd say it's like well that's not reality well i don't want reality i want my passion so it could be something simple like i want everyone happy and have whatever they want or it could be like some great you know grievous sin does that make sense their passion it's like something other from here i just follow my well, i just follow my heart oh so did the false teachers come over here stop following your heart it's utterly deceived transformed in the image of christ renew your mind and start following the truth yeah but i think we just when you when you get saved you just follow your heart okay that that teacher needs to be shut up no you don't just follow your heart you follow your heart you're just going to continue into the world you say okay i'm not going to follow my own thoughts i'm going to renew my mind that's the whole the book of romans climaxes you want to say it climaxes chapter 8 and 9 it climaxes in chapter 12 when it starts talking about how do you do these things? You renew your mind. Okay. Um, where am I at? Oh, passions. Uh, longing, lust, these people do. Oh, yeah, this is it. these people do not have the Holy Spirit, so there's no conviction. And this is going to come up in the next point right here. Is this group over here, it's clear. There's no Holy Spirit. So this, you, you will understand this because you have the Holy Spirit. And when you, like you just heard me say, and again, you can, you can be critical and judge me. That's, that's you should. You know, I, I don't want to be a false teacher. 
but what I just said about passions, following your own heart, I was making fun of it. Uh, you may have agreed with that. You say, or uh, if you disagreed, you don't have the Holy Spirit. No. <laughs> uh, but that, that's where the Holy Spirit would, you'd say, well, that's, that's not what I feel. I think everyone should be happy, but there's this, the Holy Spirit is going to overhear. You have the Holy Spirit who's going to, well, he's going to lead you into the truth. He's going to convict you of sin, but also bad thoughts, bad doctrine. It's going to be like, he's, he's real. This is God living in you. I mean, it's not like, oh yeah, I believe that. No, this is, this is like Jesus on the throne. God is overall God the Father, and they've sent the Holy Spirit to live in you and lead you, transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. So when you have a thought, a deed, a practice that's contrary, the Holy Spirit's going like, let's, it's, we're trying to, we're going this way. These people can have all this, and there's no conviction, there's no, there's not, now they are in the church. This is not talking about, you know, atheists somewhere. They're talking about people that are in the church that Jude's talking to. They're leaders with no Holy Spirit. So when they say something stupid, something false, there's no God inside of them saying, whoa. Now, I, I do, so I, it happens to me. I, I say things, there's this, Sometimes in my own conscience, sometimes it's like, yeah, I think I violated God, I'm sorry. Or sometimes I teach things and I push things too far, and it's like this, this red light starts beeping in my spirit, like beep, 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 oh, okay, bring that back a little bit. Sometimes I don't have time, sometimes I already jumped off the edge, and I'm just, oh, I just pull my parachute. But there, I do have the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying I always listen to it or even recognize it, but theologically, I have the Holy Spirit living in me, convicting me, and I know it is, it's worked sometimes. I'm pretty sure sometimes, what they say, uh, grieved the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty sure I've done that too. Not going to promote that, or pro- uh, but I, I, I have. These over here, not a chance. They're going to just follow their thoughts, their desires, follow your own heart. If it makes you feel good, you've got to be who you really are. You really want us all to be really who we are? It's like, holy smokes. Now, that wouldn't be holy smokes. That'd be uh, another, <laughs> another type of smoke. But it's like, we've got to have some kind of restraint. Anyway. So, that, oh, that's one point. The other thing that's going to be coming up about this is the, the like I said before, the human spirit. Uh, it says here, um, point five, passions, desires, passionate longings, or lusts. These people do not have the Holy Spirit, so there's no conviction. And the, holy, the human spirit is dead and dark, so there is no guilt or human conscience. And I think... That's where we're going to go in these next words right here. This, if they, they have a human spirit, now you're going to have to go with me on this and think. You don't have to accept what I'm going to say um, because we are uh, spirit. A man is spirit, soul, and body. And in uh, a basic you know, salvation, uh, your, your spirit is saved uh, when you accept Christ. You are born again. You, you ha- your, your spirit is in fellowship with God. You have life. Your spirit was dead. Now it's alive. Now, the question, how dead is your spirit, is uh, if you're going to go Calvinistic, your, your spirit before you're born again is so dead, you can't even respond to God. You're just like, you're waiting for God to get you born again. Now you're a warning. It's like, you know what? I think I'll accept Jesus Christ. And it's like that, again, if any Calvinists or Reformer are watching, they're like shutting me off and shooting darts at their computer. Um, 
that's totally, that's called total depravity. You can't even, res- God is like hollering, sending you mercy, and you're like, you can't, you're blind, you're dead. I, I'm going to look in Romans and show you some things. That's not the way Romans writes. It writes that you've got, you actually got to like shut it off. You have to suppress it to get to the place where you're dead, non-responsive. You don't have to agree with Reformers, Calvinists would not accept that. They, they would, they, they put me over here, right away, I'm over in this category now. I mean, if I say, I'm, boom, I'm, over, I'm a false teacher, right? I mean, instantly. Uh, which kind of wonders, are they? <laughs> because that's, that's a pretty quick step right there. Nonetheless, but we do have to talk about that because your spirit is born again when you accept Christ. It is alive. Then you sh- your soul and body, your body is alive, but you do know it's decaying. It's, you're going to die. You've seen it happen to other people. And they die. So their body is not saved because otherwise it wouldn't die. And your soul, that's what's taking place right now. By the renewing soul, mind, by the renewing of your mind. So this is past tense. You have been saved in the past by the Holy Spirit, faith in Jesus Christ. This is happening right now. In fact, hopefully, right now at this moment, your mind is in the process of being saved. I'm not saving your spirit. That's already happened. But I am, and I'm not doing it. The word of God we're communicating is, and same thing happening to me as I'm going through this. I'm renewing my mind. I'm being transformed into the image of Christ. I'm not conforming to the world. I'm being transformed. So this is an ongoing process throughout life that we can take, we can do this today. The body, you can work out, you can take medication, you can eat right, but you can't do anything with the body until the future. And that is, uh, Jude referred to that, uh, waiting for the mercy of the Lord to be revealed. That is the, glorif- the resurrection of your human body and your, into glorification. Again, you will live as a human in a human body forever. So this is past, this is present, this is future. The reason I say that is the Spirit, they have no Spirit. Either they have no Holy Spirit or this human Spirit has been nullified it's it's not gone it's just dead in a way that an average person is not then here's some verses i'm going to read page four at the top verse 18 they said to you in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions verse 19 it is these these scoffers and again he calls them he calls the readers the beloved he calls these false teachers these and you can see the Greek word there, hoitoi, hoitoi. Uh, it is these who cause divisions. They are, they cause divisions, they're worldly people, and the void of the spirit. So I'm going to come back over here and make that list. They are, uh, they're going to cause divisions. Uh, they're going to uh, be called worldly, and we'll look at that word, worldly people. And the key right here to kind of follow up what we're talking about, uh, devoid in the English standard, devoid of, and I'm going to show you in the Greek. I, I don't have, I'm, I'm not able to, I'm not able to like say one or the other. I'm going to, I'm going to lay them both out there, the options. In the English standard, devoid of the, and capitalize spirit, the spirit, which means they're devoid of the Holy Spirit, which we've already established 
last week. They, they have no conviction. They, they, they don't have the Holy Spirit. And so that would be true. That is a true statement. But is this saying something more about, because now look in the Greek below that. Uh, I'm going to just read the, the, the literal translation across. You can see the Greek and the tra- Greek transliteration. These, that's, that's the false teachers, these are those causing divisions, worldly-minded, and notice right there is the word pneuma, and there's no article in front of it. It's in parentheses or brackets. Spirit not having. So they are devoid or they do not have spirit. Now, does that mean they do not have the Holy Spirit? That could be. That's a mini translation. Or it could be more. They're devoid or they do not have spirit. They're so far gone they don't have spirit. And that leads us to uh, go to page five. Uh, describe point three, described as worldly people, psyche, psyche and the, the translators were all over trying to capture that. It's worldly minded. The concept here of worldly minded is the opposite of spiritual minded. And right away, that's dangerous. Uh, uh, Paul talks about do not be thinking of the earth, be thinking heavenly. It's like you got the worldly, the, 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 the soulish, and you're going to have the spiritual. The problem with spiritual is the idea that it becomes mystical, magical, you can't touch it. Uh, that would be, I don't like to, that's, that, that's our culture. The word spiritually minded or spiritual would mean more like truth. Like we talk, Paul talks about the spiritual man in Corinthians. He's not talking about, you know, and you know, you, you know this, I, I, I assume, I, I remember when I was much younger, there were some really spiritual people in the churches that I was in. There were guys that would be like always in tune. It's like kind of glazed over. We used to call them stoned hippies in the 60s, but by the time you got to the 80s, they were like the spiritual ones. And, and it, it sounded good for a while. He kind of wanted to be spiritual and kind of like, you know, God's telling me. They're always having words from God. It's like they always knew what God wanted me to know. And it's like, you always felt like convicted because like, gosh, you know, I wish I was like you and knew as much about me as you do. And, and it became kind of, it became synonymous with goofy or, you know, just out of this world. In Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, spiritual is mature. You are, sp- you are thinking the thoughts of God. So you, like Enoch, have gone to heaven, conversed with God and come back. And I have the thoughts of God. No, no, no. You're thinking the thoughts of God. You've, Romans 12, you've renewed your mind. You're thinking, you understand where we're at in time. We know where we've come from. We know where we're going. We know the issues. What's going on? The Bible has been, is God's revelation. Spiritually minded would be mature, which would be your mind is set on the things above, which would be the truth that has been the revelation God has given you. This is something, again, be careful, this is something you can get through, in a sense, study. And again, I say, oh, so you're a Gnostic. Gnostics, are, you know Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the knowledge. They had, it's knowledge, but it's secret knowledge. The Gnostics had the New Testament, but you couldn't read it because you couldn't understand it. You needed inside information. You needed a special way of understanding it. In other words, the not, not Gnostic, based on knowledge, 
which people have used to attack even myself and the generation we're ministering, well, it's just a bunch of Gnosticism. No, it's absolutely the opposite of Gnosticism. Gnosticism is you can't understand this, but come here. We'll find out if you're one of the enlightened spiritual ones. And now you understand because you're spiritual. It's exactly what I was saying over here. It's, it's goofy. Because this is saying uh, Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. They read the letter. They understood it. And they either decided, are we going to follow it or are we going to disagree with it? And if they followed it, they began to grow in Christ and began to mature. What they look like? Christians walking like Christ in the image of Christ, going about their daily lives, family, jobs, helping other people, trying to bring about good things in this earth like Christ would. It's like, but what, did they like walk on water and float? And it's like, no, they showed up for work every day. Uh, they were there for their kids. Uh, they weren't really very spiritual. They were really like, you know, feet on the ground, tuned into the earth but they were mature. Does that make sense to you, what I'm saying? Because that's huge, because that, that's an easy, I, I went down there. It took me probably at least 10 years, maybe 20 years to actually wrap my mind around it. And even now as I'm saying it, I'm like, I'm willing for that red light buzzer to go off in my spirit. It's like, you're being overcritical. Uh, but this makes sense. These people, where am I at now? Uh, okay, these are worldly people over here. So that, that would be contrary to spiritual people, which... I'm saying that's mature people. These are worldly people. The worldly is they don't have the truth. They don't have the Spirit of God. Their spirit is not in communication with the Spirit of God. They're not maturing in Christ. They're worldly. They're going to be following their passions. They're going to be making up their own truth. Everything they think and say is of this age. It, it's, it's void of revelation from God. They can figure it out or make it up as they want to. So they're worldly. And then the void of the Spirit. Point one, under devoid of spirit, the spirit would be the Holy Spirit. This is true. Or point two, spirit would be, and I got the capital S or little s, would be the, the spirit of the human spirit. This may be in the context of this statement. I want to spend some time on this, and we're going to end the day with this. They are devoid of spirit. We already know they don't have the Holy Spirit. That's why they're, they're free to run on these passions, come with their own ideas, think worldly thoughts, create their own reality, because there's, there's nothing stopping them. They have no spirit of God. But it's worse. I think it's worse than that. It, and we've already said in the previous, last week, they have no Holy Spirit. These people have gotten worse. They, I'm going to say, the human, again, the human spirit is, is in God can reveal himself to the human spirit and the human spirit can respond. You're saved by faith, you're saved by grace, but you respond or reject the light. You respond or reject the truth. And you can say, well, that's a work. That's synergy, they would say, the, 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 the theologians. You can say that if you want to, but otherwise, God is just taking, why, why waste all this time? Just draw a line. These people can't respond. These people have to respond end class it's like what, what what do we do just keep thinking like that i mean and if that's what it is man that may be a false philosophy uh point two spirit if it's the human spirit this may be the context of the statement here this would be the hardened heart you've heard about they've hardened their heart and there's nowhere coming back pharaoh hardened his heart we got examples and you just you have this light you have this potential of god of making communication and moses talked to him and pharaoh hardened his heart hardened his heart hardened his heart 
Apparently, he could have responded. Finally, God says, okay, we're done here. Uh, This spirit would be dead and unresponsive to the truth, the light, the Holy Spirit. Uh, If it was totally hardened, uh, but this heart right here, the original human heart, boy, boy, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm in some deep water, which I am. In the normal state, the human heart can respond to God. I'm going to show you that. They can, if God, they can say yes to God. But if they say no, or like Pharaoh, no, 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 they are now over here. They are in darkness. You had a chance to think clearly. Just like we have a chance today to think clearly, but soon it's going to get darker and darker. They had a chance to respond to Christ. They said no. They said no. And eventually they're going to do like John. They committed the unforgivable sin. It's like, now the unforgivable sin is not, I don't think, that act or this act or this thing. It's saying, and it's not saying no to me. Like if I presented you the gospel, again, I'm off subject here. If I said, uh, I presented you the gospel, he said, no, I don't believe that. You sinned against me. You told me I was a liar. That can be forgiven. Uh, or someone else, you see it on the uh, Billy Graham crusade, or you see someone else, and you say no. But when the Holy Spirit shines in your heart, and without a doubt, he's speaking to this human spirit, and you say no to the Holy Spirit, if it involves a person talking to you, reading a book, hearing a, something on a video, whatever, and you say no to the Holy Spirit, you just called him a liar. You've rejected the Holy Spirit. You've committed the unforgivable sin. Now, now, how many times can that happen? Just once? Can it, be a, can it be a process? But eventually they say no, and they're in darkness, and now they can't respond to God. Plus now their human spirit is now, well, here it goes. Once they say no, uh, they cannot respond to truth. They cannot respond to light. They cannot respond to the Holy Spirit. Uh, point D, in, in distinctive human nature would be referred to, what is that word? Indist- I don't know what I wrote. Oh yeah, instinct, like an animal, instinctive, that's what I meant. The human nature, such as referred in Romans chapter 1. So this would have certain instincts, as, you know, of nurture, of, of morals, of the heart knows what's right and wrong. I'll read Romans in just a minute. But what they do in Romans chapter 1, look at this list right here. These people, to get from just being... God's revealing himself to you to this total darkness. They have to do these things. Chapter 1, verse 18. They suppress the truth. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Do you see that? Now, if, God, if this person right here is totally dead and cannot respond to God until they're born again, now they're over here, and now they can hear and they can understand God, that's not what this is saying. The human spirit can respond to God. What can be known about God is plain to them. That's the unbeliever. That's the, the, carnal, that's the carnal person. It's plain. It's clear. Yeah, but they're, they're dead. They can't. Well, they are. What is plain to them because God has shown it to them. He has shown it clearly to them, asking them to respond. That's not Calvinism. They knew God. They did not honor Him as God. They knew Him and they said, No. Point four, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their mind, their souls became foolish because they rejected the truth. They could not renew their mind. They became more and more thinking worldly thoughts, earthly thinking. And their hearts or their spirits were darkened. Boom. 
Now they're here. So this is not the Holy Spirit. This is their spirits or their hearts. They exchanged the truth of God. Oh, verse 24. God gave them up to the lust of their hearts or their spirits to impurity. So now whatever your passions want. This is, here you, got the, you have the driving. You have passions, but you can check it with the truth, and the Holy Spirit can convict you, keep you over here. They've said no, 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 no. And the only thing they've got left is, guess what? Their passions. So the only thing in this darkness they're going to pursue is their passions. God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, their own woke reality. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. They exchanged, now watch, this is even scarier. They exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. I mean, there are things that are nature. You know as a human, just no church, just like this is right, this is wrong. They are so far gone, they don't even know instinctively what's right and wrong. They have no moral compass. God gave them to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. In other words, point E, they're worse than brute beasts and animals who maintain their natural nurturing instincts. At this point, this is, this is scary stuff. I mean, as a society, these people are so far gone, you're better off with a wild animal who's got natural instincts like nurturing and taking care of, you know, whatever God's put in them. Uh, you know, flying south for safety. These people wouldn't even know enough to fly south for safety. They wouldn't even know enough to take care of their, their, their offspring. Uh, you know, they would abort them or whatever. They're in such darkness, so they, they're void of what I think, that's not a slam dunk. Everything I said is true, I think, but does that apply right here? Is he saying they're void of the Holy Spirit? We already know that, that's true, but they are void of the human spirit, it's gone dark, and now what any normal way God could get through to them naturally, revelation-wise, and the thing is, these people are in Jude's church, and uh, he's concerned about it. I'm out of time. If you've got any questions, that would be wise to have, and if you have any, uh, you know, contrary thoughts, don't, don't feel bad. Uh, I hope that's clear. I'll pray, and you're free to go. Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We ask that we would humble ourselves, that we'd allow your spirit to work in our lives, to let your word transform us. We ask that we would not be overly critical, but that we would seek the truth in order to maintain a relationship with you and remain in the point of love that you have placed us, but also be able to reach out to others with common sense and reach out with others with uh, information that can help them or warnings that let the spirit of god work through us in the lives of others also father we do ask that we would become the people you've called us to be at this time in history to leave an impact as we wait for your kingdom in jesus name we pray amen thank you for your time